0: I'm Mike McInnes. And I'm Carrington Vanston. And you're listening to No Quarter, the Retro Arcade Game Podcast.
1: You are listening to No Quarter, the Retro Arcade Podcast. What a good
0: way to spend your time. I think so. Good good choice, listener. Well, at (laughs) least this week. This week's game is infinitely better than last week's. (laughs) Yes. Oh, gosh,
1: yes. But that's really a low bar. So <laughs> yeah, it's it, it didn't it didn't really take much for this game to be better than last week's game. Although there are a lot of similarities between this week's game and last week's game, so I suppose we'll we'll touch on those as well. Now that I've thought of it, but shall we uh, talk about feedback? I think um, we've got a bunch to talk about.
0: Sure, we can talk about feedback. Uh, so last week, Dave, we talked. Uh, Dave had written in something to you that I don't care about, and then he <laughs> um, sent me an email asking me about. My experiences with the iCade, uh, and he said it, it kind of—he's having trouble where the, the stick isn't very responsive—and and was asking whether he just he's got a dud. Blaming his tools. Yeah, it's a poor musician that blames his instrument. No, it didn't feel very responsive, and sometimes he would miss corners and things like that. And and uh, he was wondering if he just got a dud, or uh, if there was something that he was missing in the main settings. And my response and your, my,
1: first of all, your response was excellent, and I I took a bunch of notes from it, and we'll be following your advice. So I really liked your... In fact, I added your response to my notes about feedback. I <laughs> uh, liked what you wrote. Wow, well, thank you. Yes. Uh,
0: my response, basically, and I, I thought it was sort of a general enough response that maybe we could bring it up here, because I'm sure w- I'm not the only one playing on a, uh, a, on an iCade. Uh, and that's simply that I think Ion Audio, who actually builds the thing, and ThinkGeek, who sells it, uh, they use the cheapest possible arcade stick that they can in this thing to keep the price point under, under $100. It sells for $99.95. And I get that. And it's probably fine for most casual gamers who just want to play a game of Pac-Man or two every now and then and don't care about anything else. For more serious gamers like you, me, and probably a lot of our listeners, you need to upgrade your stick. You can get all the parts and, and there's a link that we'll have in the show notes that have, that goes through step by step exactly how to, to upgrade both the stick and the buttons on your iCade. Mm-hmm. I bought a Sanwa stick and, and some buttons. It took me 20 minutes to swap everything out and the improvement is, is, uh, noticeable. It's, it's, it's a lot better. The, the stick responds better. It feels better. And because at one point I'd gotten so frustrated playing games like Pac-Man and, you know, missing corners and going the wrong way at, at uh, intersections and things that I was almost done with using the IK on a regular basis and the, the stick upgrade really made a huge difference. So if you're interested in, Improving your IK experience, those instructions will be in the link that we have in the show notes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's over at MyGlassEye.net, to great set of instructions on, on how to customize it. And you're right, it's the kind of thing that can be done in less than a half an hour... With just little hand tools and stuff by somebody who's never done that sort of thing before. So you don't have to worry about like, Oh my gosh, I, I've never bought electronics or something with knobs and buttons and made changes. It really is a very simple process. You're just going to, you know, get a couple of parts and use a screwdriver to swap things around. So super, super easy. Um, and I agree. Like when, when you're. I have been frustrated many times with the, the tank stick thing that I've still borrowed. I can eventually get that back. Sorry. Um, and, and using an eight-way joystick to play four-way games just messes things up as it is and just getting a nicer joystick and one like you're using now that you can swap back and forth between four way and eight way just such a better way to go when you're playing these games. And so it's a it's a relatively small investment, um, little bit of money, little bit of time, and can dramatically improve uh, how much fun it is to play um MAME either with iMAME or uh what's that other one that everyone's using nowadays? Gridley. Gridly with Gridly especially on um on an on IK. Totally, totally great way to go. So yeah, we'll have a we'll have a link to the my GlassEye.net instructions over in the show notes, which you can check out at monsterfeet.com slash no quarter uh, Highly, highly recommended. Good response, Mike. Why? Thank you, Carrington. <laughs> well, well done, you.
0: Good feedback. <laughs> over on Facebook, Classy Freddy Blassie. <laughs> Wow, which yeah. is awesome. Uh, yeah, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I think his, his his real name is James, but I like I like Classy Freddy Blassy. <laughs> totally. Uh, wrote in and asked if anyone knew. He, he's looking for the title of a game that he used to play. This was this was great.
1: I love that he wrote about this because this is just the kind of thing that I'm interested in as, in as well. Um and I was just really happy that somebody thought to reach out about asking about trying to find a game and we can now sort of pass on to our listeners to see if they can help him track it down. So
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh he also posted on the asking the same thing, but he describes it as very similar looking to Samurai Nihon Ichi by Taito in 1985. Um probably came out around the same time. He says he's never seen it on MAME or anywhere else uh, since the arcade. It had jumping tigers like the samurai game, but they look different. In the beginning, your man walks by some green rice steps and a tiger jumps out at him. Um, and there were a couple of suggestions that people have posted on the retros of what it might be. He doesn't seem to think that, that that's it. But if you're interested in helping him out, you can stop by there or you can post to our Facebook page and let him know. And it, and uh, it seems... It's like right on the tip
1: of my brain. I keep thinking I know the game he's talking about, but I can't quite place it. Anyway, he he also says how you you start with a, a kung fu type character with a large head walking to the right and then um then that tiger leaps out at you. So if that rings a bell with anybody, maybe you can chime in and we can help him track down this game.
0: Classy Blassy um, <laughs> also wrote in to say that uh, he's he's a couple of weeks behind I think on a on the listening experience. He was playing Buck Rogers, and he got uh, 19,000 in 20 minutes. So eat that, Carrington and Mike. <laughs> I will indeed eat that. I'm going to have to eat that, too, because I'm never playing that game again. Uh, I don't think I'd want to put another 20 minutes into that game. Either, no, frankly, this no.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'd play it before I'd play Zarzon again, but uh doesn't say much. <laughs> so, yes. Okay, James, you have bested us. That's right. Good for You, you. you are better at us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, sir. Yes. <laughs> Um, we do have some feedback about last week's game. Rob O'Hara, Flack, writes that uh, about Satan of Saturn. I think this game features Satan because this is what they make you play in hell.
1: <laughs> That's a perfect description. <laughs>
0: uh, Ryan Wicks says that uh, I like hearing about obscure titles. Looking at MAME, there were 20 unheard of games for every Pac-Man or Space Invaders. Mm-hmm.
1: That's true. Like the, the number of games out there that probably none of us ever played, uh, is much higher than the number of games that we would all be aware of, even, even people who know a lot of games. There's there so many games and little tiny versions of things and knockoffs and shovelware and crapware and stuff. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. There will be many terrible episodes to come.
0: <laughs> um, let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, last week, we had mentioned possibly doing some film episodes where we talk about arcade games and movies. Dr uh, mm-hmm. Dr Quest replied by Twitter he listed off a bunch his Rocky 3 Strange Brew Midnight Madness Night of the Comet the Karate Kid Gremlins Bloodsport Back to the Future 2 and a bunch more that he didn't list so we obviously have quite a bit that we could talk about if we wanted to do one of those episodes
1: that was a great list to start off with though I'm mm-hmm. aware of all those movies and will happily watch them again
0: and finally getting Not on finally. to finally there's <laughs> so
1: much more to talk about
0: uh getting on to this week's game Um, this week's, uh, Mike Pettengill wrote in that, uh, this week's game is, uh, Gyrus. Congratulations, Mm -hmm. Mike, you got that right. He says, I hope you get a version that is as close to the arcade version as possible. Well, Mike, we are actually using the arcade version here, so. But he says, the ports were hugely disappointing. This game used to make my heart race. It's a nice, a very strong contender for my favorite game ever. The music is great, the controls are simple, and the gun sound effect fits nicely into the high-energy soundtrack as a percussion element. Each warp seems like an achievement. And the game has a nice progression. Not sure how good I was, but I remember making it to Earth at least once. I consider wow. it a far better tube shooter than Tempest. Uh, well, Mike pretty much nicely encapsulated the game, so I guess that wraps up this week's episode. We'll see you all next week.
1: <laughs> well done, Mike. Well, I look forward to listening to your show in the future. Uh, yeah, he. he I, I agree with everything Mike wrote, and we'll be touching on all those points. Uh, and he and he did indeed correctly guess this week's game, So so well done him. Um, scrolling through, I think the only thing that I'd want to bring up that I meant to bring up a while ago, we we touched on James stuff, but Ken, Ken Gagney, you'll be aware of him, Mike. He wrote in uh, a while ago to tell us about Scroll. Scroll is a magazine dedicated to video game history. And Ken was saying like, how did I not know about this? I agree, Mm. Ken. How did I not know about this? like totally awesome. So there was a Kickstarter looking for $8,000 to to do their 10th episode. Um, issue and it was successful so and that's that's in the past now so print issues like ken says runs about uh 40 each but you can also just download pdf versions for free and and like ken says no registration no tie-ins no codes just you know go grab it so totally awesome um and i was completely unaware of of this this amazing thing so it's called scroll you can get it at scroll.vg that's its um uh, the, the website to grab the things. You can grab the PDFs. You can, uh, order copies of the, the print version. And it's a really amazingly polished, put together magazine about, um, video games and video game history. So just really spectacular and completely flew under my radar. I, if Ken hadn't pointed out to me, I never would have known it existed. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah. I never heard of that one. Yeah. Well spotted, Ken. Check that one out.
0: Yeah. Uh, one last thing that I did want to mention before we move on to art. Your- game this week is that uh, the one-up here in Denver that I seem to talk about all the time uh, has managed to get their hands on a fix-it Felix Jr. cabinet. I'm not jealous. (laughs) So if you don't want to drive up to wherever it is in Canada that that Carrington (laughs) lives and knock on his door, you can stop by the one-up here in Denver and play the game for real. That's exciting for them. And for
1: me, I've got one too. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. I've I really no space for it, though. I've been increasingly thinking it was a mistake to bring in these, uh, these cabinets. As <laughs> I clean around them and move. So there's a chance I might sell my cabs. <laughs> we
0: could, we could give, give it away choice. as a as a prize. Uh, we
1: we could do that, and yet I'll more likely sell it.
0: <laughs> well, you might. That probably will be the, the the smarter financial decision for you. Well, it's more. I just I'm not
1: good at caring for things. There's a good reason why I don't have pets or children. <laughs> It's like I'm worried that I will eventually be the reason that uh, there's one fewer of these cabinets in the world. And there's not a lot of them to start with. And because I'm big on preservation. Like it to me, it it meant a lot to help send out copies of things so that the game could get broken and could get distributed. I'm big on information being free. And I'm also big on... Oh, well, I love to rip open things if I get them and they're sealed. There's a reason why I think maybe things shouldn't be in my hands because I will rip them open. And I do I, – I want stuff to be preserved and I'm not a preservationist myself. I just admire those who are. So I might try to get this into the hands of somebody who will actually take care of it and keep it long term. So
0: we will see. Since we, since I just mentioned the contest, and we had mentioned contest, you said last week, uh, possibly running another giveaway. Um, I think maybe you had an idea, Carrington. I had an idea.
1: Tell I me thought, all about it. <laughs> Instead of giving away um, another shirt or blanket or or um, poster set, we're going to give away an actual arcade cabinet, but, but a l- little tiny one. Uh, <laughs> so over at retro uh You can see that there's this fellow. I don't know his name. Do you know his name? I don't. I'm assuming it's a fellow. Anyway, there's a, there's a fellow and or a woman who makes tiny little mini- miniature scale versions of of arcade cabinets, and they come with real 1.5 inch LCD monitors. Now you can't play the game on them, but it will display stills of the of the game, or you can bring in other images, and it'll it'll play gifs and that kind of stuff. And, oh wow! And massive long list like 70 different arcades of one sort and another 123 of the of the classic kinds including next week's game this week's game pretty every game we ever talked about really really exciting i'm very very keen on these
0: i think that first the the, the list of 70 is actually miniature pinball tables and then the Second That's list of, why
1: they were less familiar to me. Yes, 123
0: different arcade games. Those are what matter. So you're telling me that that I can win one of these these 112 skills. No, I'm telling you that you can't and I can't, Aww. but our
1: listeners could. So I thought the way we would do it is if you can guess next week's game, everyone who guesses correctly will be entered into uh, the contest and we will randomly pick one and get this fellow out in the UK to build you one of these many arcade machines of your choice and and ship it off to you.
0: That sounds like a pretty exciting contest. I think I'm going to quit my job as host on this so that I can enter and win stuff like
1: this. (laughs) It will be fun. So (laughs) I'll make sure that we've got a a way to enter. How did people enter before? you just send us email? Does that work? Uh,
0: I think it was if they email Twitter, Facebook, whatever, just get get your entry to us, and uh, we will select a random name next week.
1: I like it. Yeah, cuz these things are really cool. Like honestly. So you should head over to retro-heart.blogspot.com. Well, for me, ca, but .com for the rest of the world, I guess, and you can um check them out. Really amazing looking, very impressive. There's a few people who make these sorts of things, but these are the ones that sort of look the most impressive to me and uh um talks about his creation process and stuff and uh the fellow who's making these is unaware that we're going to be doing this <laughs> cuz we just sort of just decided, but uh, I really like that they've got these built in LCD screens, so uh, just really, really exciting. I want a few myself. I might be placing an order for me as well as for the uh, <laughs> for the listeners.
0: <laughs> this way, I can actually build an arcade up here in my my little office loft area, and my wife won't mind too much. Exactly, it's tiny, cause they're
1: tiny. Yep, exactly.
0: All right. So on with the games. Oh,
1: the game. This, this, this week's game is an awesome game. I was very excited to play this week's game. I had remembered it being great. I was not incorrect in that memory. Uh, this is a fantastic game.
0: Why is it fantastic?
1: Because <laughs> it's fun. It's so much fun. The graphics are great. And also we're coming off the low, the low point of Satan of Saturn, which is just awful in so many ways. And this <laughs> week we are playing Gyrus and it is polished and fun and frenetic and challenging and has great graphics and great, great sound and just great music. Like there's so much about this game that it, that is just a, a high watershed of, of classic video arcades. It's from, uh, 1983, uh, made by Konami and fantastic in all senses. I think I love this
0: game. Dear SNK, this is how you make a space shooter. <laughs> yes. Sincerely, Konami. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Gyrus, or is it Gyrus? Oh, I've always said Gyrus. Hmm, okay. Let's, uh, is it Gyrus? I'm not sure. I have no idea. Hmm. I um, say Jeff, though, so... You say yeah. Jeff. I say gynecologist, which is a G-Y. <laughs> uh, you say
1: potato, I say spud.
0: Uh, Gyrus is a single-player shoot-'em-up in which the purpose is to fly through the solar system, destroying waves of alien attackers before finally reaching Earth. Planets that must be passed before Earth is reached are Neptune, Uranus, Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars it only takes two warps to reach neptune um, which and you warp by clearing all the alien ships off the level uh it takes two two warps to reach neptune um and then all the others including earth take three warps to get to i never got anywhere close to earth
1: i was very impressed um who was it that wrote in that said they got to earth at least once uh mike uh, very impressive mike that you got to earth because i don't even get close <laughs> that's
0: crazy each time a player reaches a planet, they are faced with a chance stage, which is a bonus stage in which the players try to destroy as many aliens as possible to accrue points. After reaching Earth, there is another chance stage followed by a very fast three warps to Neptune stage. After this, the Supposedly. levels, yes, the levels in the background music start over. So this is another game that never really comes to an end. You just keep playing until you die. Yeah. The gameplay
1: feels kind of, I think a lot of people make this point online, but I agree with it. It's Galaga plus Tempest.
0: Well, yes, it's, it's, the gameplay, I, I think, is that the, the, the force perspective turns Galaga into this. Completely different gameplay experience.
1: Yep, as your because your ship is going around the outside, firing into this sort of tunnel shape. It, it, you don't actually see graphics making a tunnel, but then just the perspective is of that tunnel. So your your shots go off into the distance and sort of end in the middle of the screen rather than going up from from bottom to top. And really, just just frantic and awesome. And and, and even that like there's a lot of the gameplay is very similar to Galaga, in that you've got the the waves of bad guys that swoop down towards you and then get up into a formation and stuff. So lots of Galaga. Tight play but in this force perspective tunnel that just sort of adds to the, the frantic nature of it and I really enjoy the warping between the planets like it gives you this real sense of progression as you're moving into the game and it's, I only got as far as Saturn but it, it makes you feel like hey if I can play you know, I've got another planet to get to so it sort of marks a difference in, in the gameplay like hey I, I made a new planet to, just yeah just so much about this is awesome it was designed by Yoshiko Kiyoshiki, I think it's pronounced, Okamoto, who mm-hmm. we talked about before. He's the guy who did 1942. And he also did Time Pilot. Oh, Time Pilot. I don't think we've talked about that yet. That's a good one.
0: No, we haven't. Yes, um, we will. We will. And, yeah, as I was playing this, I thought I found myself thinking that if you removed the Force Perspective, this would be Galia. Yes. Because even the chance stages are the challenging stages. The the waves of ship come ships come in in the same exact pattern. Yep you get bonus points for wiping out an entire wave you get 10,000 for a perfect score all that stuff it i mean it's exactly the same and yet somehow just having that perspective completely changes it it really does it feels different when you're playing it although yes
1: there's so much about it that is just Galaga wrapped around a tube
0: yeah um that doesn't mean that, that this was in any way bad or or boring nope. or repetitive or anything at all like that Um, I loved the catchy 80s synth pop music. Uh, Yes, and it's Bach. I
1: recognize the music.
0: Yes, it it was sort of the the, the driving uh, beat that they put behind it, kind of gets you into the game and helps that adrenaline start flowing without being so repetitive that it becomes annoying. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, the music's, and the music has great sound to it. So not only is
1: it good music that really, you know, gets you pumped and wants you to play, the quality of the music is just amazing. Like, just like, I was like, wow, this sounds like really high quality sound for a game from 1983. I, I, in fact, it made me wonder is, is the stuff in MAME sampled at a higher rate than it would be really in the cabinet? Cause it's
0: really good sounding. Well, and here's probably a good time to talk about the technical uh, Let's talk about the tech specs. Um, you mentioned the, the excellent sound. That's because there are five, count them five, AY89 chips. I can each, count to five. Each at 1.789 megahertz. There is a, a DAC. Um, there are six RC chips at 1.789, uh, megahertz as well. So there's a lot Holy of crap. CPU horsepower going into sound generation and music in this game.
1: See, these are the sorts of things that like coming off Satan of Saturn and its 700 kilohertz <laughs> microprocessor that was basically running the show there along with a little bit of sound stuff. Um, it just makes such a night and day difference for essentially the same category of games. We're looking at two different shoot 'em ups separated by just a couple of years apart from each other. But here we've got great music and sound. We got really Really good and accurate collision detection, unlike Satan of where did I shoot? Um, this quasi 3D effect with enemies flying in more, much more interesting formations than you get in those little staccato things in Satan and Saturn. You know, way more powerful with, you know, like you said, multiple microprocessors, at least running at decent speeds now and, and all these, uh, sound processors. You have more planets, you have more plot, you got more enemies, you got better graphics. I mean, it's just same category of game, but better in Every way, and the difference is the polish. We were talking about last week how the game felt like a beta; it felt like completely unpolished. And this is a game that really somebody's put a lot of love into this, and getting all those little details right, so that you have really, really smooth and polished gameplay. It's
0: so much fun! Really worth the quarter. In addition to all of those custom sound chips, there are also two sound CPUs: uh, a Z80 at 3.57 megahertz and an I8039 at 533 kilohertz. This is a lot of chips. This yes. must be an expensive machine. And there were two, uh, it was a, a dual processor CPU setup. Uh, you had a CPU at three megahertz and an, the Motorola 6809 at two megahertz. To be honest, that seems like overkill. I mean, the game is really good. Well, but what the heck? And it's interesting that as I was playing this game, I started this on the iCade, um, on, on my, and I have an iPad 2, which is a little bit older and the processor doesn't push as many horsies as, as the newer ones do. <laughs> Move, you horsies. And I have both, it's jailbroken, so I have both iMame and Gridley uh, Mm -hmm. on here. And Gridley uses a newer MAME engine, which requires a lot more processing power to play the same games. So as I was playing this in Gridley, after a few seconds of gameplay, it really kind of bogged down and started getting choppy. Wow. Um, And yeah, and I switched back over to iMame and it was a little bit better. Uh, I ended up Switching back to my desktop to play it there, and that obviously was the best experience. But so this is a game
1: ex- that needs desktop, modern desktop horsepower. Or <laughs>
0: an iPad that's got more horsepower than an iPad 2. Right. Um, more either horses. way, uh, yeah, it's this. The reason, now I'm seeing the reason for that is that all these these processors are cranking away in there.
1: Yeah, to emulate them, even though, you know, there are older processors and stuff, but there still is, there's a lot going on under, under the hood here. And it, it's well spent horsepower because it ends up with a lot of stuff moving on screen at once, really smooth, you know, just such, such a, such a polished experience. Really, really good gameplay.
0: Well, and when I switch back to the desktop, I put, I put my headphones on and it's not, it's not stereo sound that you get. It's two channels. So you get some sounds out of one ear and some out of the other and mm-hmm. they don't switch back and forth. But what I really liked is as I, as I was playing and I had the phone, headphones on, you can notice a lot more about the sound that way is how it's layered so ships that explode down further down the tunnel make less sound than they do if they blow up. I noticed right that as well. I it. also yeah. play with
1: headphones and this is a game worth playing with headphones on. A lot of times I put headphones on because frankly the music in the game is so crappy I'll <laughs> I will play something else on my headphones and ignore the or the game, but here this is a game worth listening to even for a, just a shoot 'em up. And yeah, I agree the the quality of the sound is right up to the quality of the the graphics here. It's just really really good.
0: And so the polish there I think you see it everywhere in the game, and that's why this is such an excellent title. And and night and day difference from what we played last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a two-player alternate um, game, so one player plays at a time. It's an eight-way joystick with a simple one-button fire scheme. And the the cabinet is a fairly simple cabinet. In reading about the cabinet,
1: I learned all about a well, all about. I learned a little bit about a, a company called Centuri or Centuri, who published, they were re- originally a company called Allied Leisure Industries, and they made electromechanical games um, from the late 60s to the mid-70s or so. And there seemed to be some huge fire that destroyed their factory and inventory. and And not too long after that, a lot of their staff took off and were... Went over to rivals like Atari and stuff. Anyway, uh, around 1979 or maybe right on 1980, there was a new owner and it changed the name to this centuri and uh, they switched to doing video games. So they basically licensed games and put out cabinets, and they did um the cabinets for a bunch of games that I really like. Like they did Targ, they did Phoenix, they did Time Pilot, which we just talked about. They did Track and Field, and of course they did Gyrus. They also did Circus Charlie, which we we discussed and loved um, quite a few episodes ago. That and so just they they only had a few cabinet styles and frankly none of them jump out as being oh my gosh what great cabinet makers it just it's a just you know they had generic cabinets and it was just a business that licensed games and and put them out so this cabinet itself fairly generic looking like there's nothing that exciting about it but i just you got me thinking about it when you're talking about the the joystick and the buttons. so this is one of those games where there's a joystick on the left and the buttons on the right and those are the hands you will use there's it's not a game where you've got two different fire buttons it's telling you joystick left button right and too bad for you if you like it the other way around and then just two other buttons for the uh one player or two player start and it's a decent looking cabinet but um it seems to be with a lot of these cabinets designed and made by centuri is you know, centuri ah, i'm having trouble with that word if you put a if you cut out like a bit of paper and put it over the part on the marquee that and you just blocked out just the word gyrus the rest of the cabinet wouldn't tell you about this game at all it's like completely it would be generically space related stuff i mean that said like I, I i like the side art it's colorful but kind of abstract and it's red and orange and yellow so it's vibrant and i guess it kind of implies warping but it seems that with all of their cabinets, they would just have a almost generic, spacey type cabinet graphics, and then they would just like put the name. They, they usually could make these cabinets before you even had the game, and then just say, "Oh, it's going to be called Gyrus." Right, stamp that on the marquee, and you're done. So. Pretty generic cabinet maker, although they did seem to luck out on, into doing the cabinets for a few games that I like. And, uh, if you want to pick one up nowadays, a gyrus goes for, it seems three to four hundred dollars to get one in good condition. Um, there's actually one on eBay right now for, I think, 450. Oh, that's so, not bad alone. yeah. And I w- would have thought they'd go for more, but I think that it's a popular enough game that a lot of them have been collected and there's just a bit of a glut on the market. So it's, uh, yeah, the cocktail versions go for around the same price. You can often, uh, i 've seen online previous sales you pick one up in really good condition for you know two fifty you know with no burn in and you know good looking graphics and and everything a little scratched up, but not too bad like a, a decent usable playable collectible version so yeah a lot less expensive than I would have thought it would be given the quality of the game
0: interesting yeah so Konami made gyrus and released in Japan and they licensed it to Centauri. Uh, here in the United States in 1983, and after a while, they switched over to conversion kits, probably to save price and, and continue to make money on the game. And it's such a simple
1: control scheme, it'd be pretty easy to convert almost any other cabinet into this. So if you're stuck, for instance, with a
0: Satan from Saturn, or Satan from Saturn, <laughs> you can easily convert into this. It'd be much better. Right. Uh Alpha Records released a limited edition soundtrack for this game. Um, <laughs> really, on, on June 25th, 1986. So that might be worth... Hunting Down, I think I want one of those.
1: That's, that's crazy. Like, so in,
0: in 86, they put out a... Yep. That's, that's bonkers. This game was later bootlegged uh, as Venus in the United States. Oh, wonder why it was called Venus. That's like a planet you don't even get to. And it was ported to pretty much every um, imaginable console of the day. Um, it didn't show up on too many home computers, maybe just because of the...
1: Yeah, I think it was on the Atari ones, but never made it to the Apple II, alas, not that I know of.
0: The Atari 800 and the Commodore 64 were the only ones that got it, probably because of the amount of power that it required to to generate the graphics.
1: I know there was a Game Boy Advance version, which was really good and pretty faithful. If I'm remembering right, that's one that I I actually quite liked.
0: Yep, the Game Boy Advance got it, the Xbox 360, the PlayStation, the Nintendo, uh, the original NES, um, the ColecoVision, the Atari 2600, 5200, and XEGS all got ports.
1: And just searching for it right now, I see that uh, back on the cabinet stuff, this Centuri. You can go to Centuri.net, C-E-N-T-U-R-I.net, and that's the Centuri arcade database. This fellow just running it and just keeping a, a list of all the cabinets they made, and I guess he's collecting them and so I'll have a link to that in the show notes too, in case you're
0: interested in seeing their relatively generic cabinets. Uh, a little bit of... Trivia about Yoshiki Okamato. Um, he, he first wrote Time Pilot for Konami, and then this game, and after this game, after Jairus did well, he asked for a raise and said he would quit if he didn't get it, um, and they fired him the next day. <laughs> Oh, well, they were wrong to do
1: so, because this was a guy who really knew how to make some good video games.
0: In fact, he was so good that he went on to Capcom shortly after that, and that's where he made 1942. And then a whole bunch of fighting games. And played, a whole right? bunch of popular fighting games, Final Fight, and Street Fighter II, and some that maybe we haven't heard of. They so should have given him the race.
1: I mean, like, this this was a guy who, who knew what he was doing. Like, I'm very impressed with him as a game maker.
0: And he's one of the game, uh, the game designers that stayed in the business for a long time, some some people, you know, they would make a game or two and disappear and never hear from them again. In 2005, Okamoto's new independent company, Game Republic, referred, released its first game, Genji, the Dawn of the Samurai. And another Japan-only game called Folklore, released in 2007.
1: Now, one thing that was not great about this game, or at least in its implementation, was the high scores are only saved in RAM. So when the machine loses power, everything gets reset. You, um, yeah, so there's... Uh... Somebody put out a kit to modify this and other similar hardware so that it would keep the, the high scores even when you power them off. So that's a kit you can get right now. But um, it meant that you can't keep a high score like long term in a given arcade. So it does mean if you come to an arcade and they reset their games overnight, go to the Galaga game first and then you can get yourself the high score on the machine for that day.
0: Uh, speaking of high scores, Carrington, how to you do?
1: I did okay. I made it as far as Saturn, which I think I was on stage 12. I didn't do great, like, to be perfectly honest. I'm not... I really enjoy the game, but I'm not necessarily good at most video games, including this sort. Uh, I did 108. My best, my best score of all was 108,650. I did cross the 100,000 line quite a few times, but that's as far as I got. So I seem to be able to get just to you know make it to Saturn, get to around 100 grand, and then that's where I always seem to die. So I got to I got to step my game up to go past that. But 108,650 was my my best for the week.
0: What about you, Mike? Well, uh we did similar, I guess. So I got um two Saturn as well. I did 116, Oh, you
1: just beat me. Yep, I found that I think all my scores always ended in zero, so it seems to be you're getting multiples of 10 for each thing you do. I don't think I ever got a score that ended in anything but zeros.
0: This game really depends, your score really depends on how well you do with bonuses. There's a lot of different ways to rack up extra points as you're going from level to level. So if you, for example, if you have a, if you wipe out an entire wave of incoming alien ships before they, before the next wave starts, you get an additional thousand points. And it says perfect,
1: and I feel really good. (laughs) Because I would get those every once in a while. I'm like, yeah, I took out that
0: entire set. Each, each level has four incoming waves. And so if you, if you manage to do perfect, uh, on all four of them, which I did a couple of times, the first wave, if you get a thousand points, uh, the next is fifteen, two thousand, and then twenty five hundred for the final, bonus, and if you shoot all 40 ships, for example, on the chance stage, uh, you get the 10,000 point bonus that you, similar to Galaga. Mm -hmm. I, for some reason, this game got a little bit easier the further I got into it, so I had a hard time getting past, like, once I got to the, to the first challenge, and if I could get the the perfect score, that 10,000 points really helped, because you get an extra ship at 30,000 points, and then from there, I was able to build on that for some reason. There's a lot of way to rack up extra points in this game. And, and um, if you read the MAME info file on this, there's a series of tips. Oh,
1: what kind of tips? I figured out a couple things on my own. I figured out that the there's these asteroid things that come out of you. Like mo- for the most part, there's enemies firing on you. And I like those little things that are like little bumblebees, and they have like a like a, a screen between them. And you have to shoot a bumblebee to get rid of their little force shield. I thought it was a really cool, a cool bad guy. Um, but there are these asteroids that will... Up here and zip at you, and I find the asteroids always seem to be fired a little bit to your left or right. So if you just don't move, the asteroids won't hit you. So I was like, "Oh, that was fun." And I figured out after a while—took me longer than it should have, embarrassingly—that when those formations come in from the edge of the screen, like come into play, they can't collide with you at that point. So I kept being worried that I couldn't just let them fly under me, basically. But you can, and you want to do that, because then it's really easy to shoot them all, because they're just, you know, coming right at you, or right underneath you, and your your bullets will always hit them. So, um, that's a good point. So when the formations are entering, they can't collide with you. Later on, yes, you can be hit by stuff, but not at that point.
0: The formations of the enemy waves, as they come in, are always in the same place, so you can line yourself up pretty easily. Well,
1: you say that, but... Turns out, in reality, no, I can't.
0: <laughs> if you can get double fire, you want to get that. That really seems to help me. Right? Not, yeah, no. we didn't talk about that. You get those when those. How does that? It's like these satellite things come up. Yeah. So this is this weird formation. You get sort of this this bubble, I guess, and it's flanked by two spinning wheel things. I don't really know how to describe it because they don't they don't really. Make I thought sense. of them as
1: kind of satellites, but yeah, with spinning wheel thingies. Yeah, yeah, they don't
0: really make sense in the context of the game. They're just sort of there. But those form and, and they'll sort of fly around the outer edge of the screen close to you. If you destroy the bubble in the middle, you get double fire.
1: Yep. It comes out and gives you that, which you want to get, you want to have bubble fire, double fire.
0: Yeah. And, and it's kind of weird because the, these things
1: will come up and I thought, oh, that's how I'll build up my ship better and better. Cause I forgot that no, you can just have double fire. That's all you can have. And if you've got the double fire, when those rotating spinny thingies come up, it'll just be three of them instead of two of them flanking a, an extra uh, power up for you so you would think the enemy would know from then on like if you lose your double fire well let's not give that to him anymore <laughs> that they would know no they just oh let me bring out a double fire for you <laughs> like this is a very helpful enemy but kind of makes no sense at all
0: yeah so if you get that uh you rate of fire increases and to get i'm reading here from the main file to make getting double fire easier you stay at the bottom of the screen until the pot and sun formation appears and it will appear right in front of your ship Wherever your ship is, after all the enemies have entered and they start attacking, and you can just immediately blow it up and get double fire. Right. So you don't have the mechanic that you had in Galaga where the the top, the queen bees or whatever, would come down steal one of your ships, and you could shoot it and get it back and get double fire that way. I, I felt like this game, speaking of that, overall felt easier than Galaga. Um, in fact... Like so, in Galaga, I have hard time. I have a hard time clearing all of the challenging stages. Right. Getting them perfect. In this game, I would get annoyed when I didn't because I could do it so regularly.
1: Well, I wouldn't do it that regularly, but I would come closer than I do in Galaga. Where in Galaga, I will get maybe half the guys. I'm terrible at Galaga, so I'm I'm less terrible at this. But I did find that the challenge stages were easier here too for me to at least get closer to getting them all. And I would sometimes get them all, and it felt very good. I I felt quite accomplished. (laughs) I was like, oh, well done, me. Pat on the back.
0: I think that's pretty much all I have to say about this game. Yeah, me too. Other than to say, I would, I would
1: easily say that this would make it into my, if I had could have 10 or 20 i know i just all 50 minutes ago was talking about getting rid of the only two i have but if i changed my mind and actually held on to cabinets and was going to have just you know 10 or 20 a small tiny collection this would easily make it into that collection i i i loved playing it this week i know i will come back to this game quite often i'm 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 just riding a high from playing it i forgot how good this game really is it is a spectacular game one of the best space shoot ups i think um and i suspect i could play this thing very long term and not Get bored of it.
0: I agree. Yeah, I had a great time, love this game. Um, we'll be coming back to it. Oh, and I forgot to mention, um, the current high score holder for this game is, is me. No, I'm afraid oh, not. It's not I'm even me. I'm not even a high
1: score on the show.
0: <laughs> it's not even me. Uh, Anthony Fodrizio uh, holds the current official record at 41,090,450 points.
1: Yeah, there's something weird about the high scores. I was reading how, like, my score doesn't come close, so I don't worry about it, but I think if you get Something like 999,990, some weird number like that. Um, that's as far as the score can go. So your score then ticks back over to, to zero, but the high score stays at that or vice versa. So you have to sort of use the high score counter and yours to just show clocking over. So when people get many billions or whatever, you have to have, you can only tell that somebody's gone like run the numbers once you basically have to have somebody watching you or a video to show that you you go over that you scroll over more than once i think there's no way to end this game it just goes on there's no there's no kill screen or whatever but there's also no way to just look at a at a final screen and know what somebody's score was if they got above the number of digits that the score can show
0: that's interesting
1: yeah i'm interested in that too what about the controls on this i guess the last thing to mention is like this we talked about how this is a game that Is essentially Galaga mapped onto Tempest. And Tempest, of course, uses a spinner because you're going around in a circle around the outside. This uses an eight way joystick. So
0: every once in a while, I would think, I wonder why this isn't a spinner game. That occurred to me, too. And in fact, the first time, the first couple of times that I played it, um, it had been 20 years since I played this in the arcade when you're playing with the joystick you can't just hold the stick in one direction and have it spin all the way 360 degrees around the tunnel the, exactly. the tunnel it'll go to a 90 degree point and you have to move the joystick again and it'll go another another 90 degrees and you have to keep moving the stick and i'm like and it just seemed a very a very strange decision to make when you just de- when you're deciding what what control system to use um it would have made more sense to me Obviously to have them use the spinner, but maybe then they would have been too uncomfortably close to Tempest. I'm I'm not really sure what yeah. the decision was there.
1: I found it a little strange I was it's been so long since I played this game in an actual arcade that when I was playing this week, I actually thought that maybe my setup was wrong and this was supposed to be a spinner game. So then I went online and looked and said, No, no, it's supposed to be an A Way joystick. I'm like, Oh, okay, so I'm playing it the correct way, but it. it I think maybe this game would actually be improved by the use of a spinner. I'd like to just use it up to turn around because you are just rotating in a circle. So there's no reason not to use a spinner. Um, and I think if, well, I love this game and there's nothing about it I would think is not good. I think it might actually be improved if it had been a spinner instead of a joystick. Hmm.
0: Man, that, that didn't really occur to me. I didn't. Oh, it occurs to you now. Well, yeah, you see the wisdom of my choice. Uh, well, I always do. <laughs> While I was playing, I didn't find myself thinking, gee, I wish this was a spinner game. Once I, once I remembered how to, to do a full circle around the tunnel, um, it wasn't a problem again. It didn't, sure. it didn't diminish my gameplay experience at all.
1: No, I, I do agree. Yes. The, the controls are implemented such that I did find, well, it's a little frantic. I was able to move around no problem, but I did reverse things as well. I was using my right hand on the joystick for me and, and left hand for the buttons. So I played it opposite to, the real world so I wonder if I would do worse in a in a real world situation I also did find that um, the farthest I could get would be Saturn. I kept dying in Saturn and every time I would warp to Saturn I would think oh here I am Satan. I've come to the Satan of Saturn. <laughs> here we go. So the last game is leaving a stain on me in some way.
0: Yeah this is a uh, this is their revenge for our, <laughs> the review we gave Satan. Saturn.
1: <laughs> exactly. So I guess that wraps up Gyrus. Thumbs up from both of us. Great game. Highly recommended. I guess it's time to listen to next week's sounds and, and to remind everybody there's a lot riding on this one. So if you you can guess what next week is from the sound clip we're about to play you. You could win yourself a tiny, teeny little custom miniature uh, arcade game of either this game or a game of your choice.
0: Yes. Now, remember that the correct guess doesn't automatically win you the cabinet everybody wins a cabinet (laughs) that's going to be an expensive contest and it'll be the last one we do (laughs) okay one person wins a cabinet (laughs) okay well and here's what you have to guess
1: Well, so I wonder if people know what it is. I wonder if they've guessed. I wonder if they'll simply look at our Twitter followers and see and watch for the first person who posts it.
0: Oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that. No <laughs> contest.
1: If you enter wrong and change your mind and you want to send another one, I'm okay with that. We're pretty flexible. <laughs> Whatever.
0: There you go. Um gyrus was great. Yes. Thank you for podcasting with me, Carrington.
1: Thank you for podcasting with me, Mike McGinnis. And and have a good um uh, Memorial Day weekend. It's, it's, uh, memory day, memory weekend in the States, right? Yes, so. I will memorialize things. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it was fantastic. This, this was a fun game. I, I may continue to play that in the upcoming week, although I'm looking forward to next week's game too. Great. Okay. Thanks for podcasting with me, and I will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Bye. Oh. You've been listening to No Quarter, the Classic Arcade Podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, why not head over to iTunes where you can leave us a rating or a review? It really helps other people find the show. You can also interact with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash no quarter podcast or follow us on Twitter at No Quarter Show. Feedback to the show can be sent to feedback at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monsterfeet podcasts, the original material in this show has been released to the public domain.